The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Now, moving on to the state of the economy, what you would have heard in the news headlines seems positive news, and it is. Uh, a new rate of employment as opposed to unemployment has hit a new high. What I mean by a new high is it's since modern records began. So on the surface, it's great to see all this wonderful amount of employment going on. We do welcome that. But where is the economy sitting? Obviously, there are inflationary winds building up. There's some major issues um, overseas with the price of energy. You'll know all about those things. So we're at a strange time, and here to discuss it is the CEO of the ESRI, Alan Barrett. Alan, welcome along to The Hard Shoulder. Thanks very much. You've been a regular guest here before. No Normally, reading the economy is can be easy enough, certainly in a boom, but we're at a sort of a different point where mm. it's very hard to get a finger on it. Uh, taking the employment piece first, a lot of people are in jobs. When we had inflation in the 70s, we had, you know, very high inflation, but we didn't have people in as much jobs as we do now. So that's a good thing. Would you would you agree with that, first of all? No, it's it, it, it's remarkable. And you're, you're quite right. If you just put inflation beside and we put the longer term worries aside for a moment, uh, ordinarily, when you'd see a sort of set of figures like this, you'd just be sort of saying, well, this is just unadulterated good news and let's run with it. Uh, so even when I saw there's a sort of a psychological threshold uh, here, uh, over two and a half million people working. I remember when we went through two million, um, you know, before the, uh, the crash. Uh, so you know, just extraordinary numbers. Uh, an unemployment rate of four point five percent. Again, just just extraordinary. And you know, very often people will look at these numbers and they kind of look for the bad news in them. So uh, one of the areas. And you found some? <laughs> no, actually, I, uh, well, well they, the public because... hospitality isn't great because it's still below. Oh, well, that's that's possibly the only one. But if you you know, one of the, the things always comes up is the regional distribution of employment. People say, well, it's all you know. But again, we're seeing uh, increases uh, across the um, across the country. Uh, we're seeing over 2 million people in full-time employment. So, like, everywhere you look, the, the, the news is actually very, very positive. But as you correctly say, uh, we, we, we have a nervousness. So will we will we go on and talk about why we're nervous? Yes, let's get into the nerves because um, I find it amazing. I've been saying this all week on the programme. We seem to be very slow sleepwalking into this whole energy crisis that's coming up in the autumn stroke winter. In Britain, they're talking about this all the time. There's guys like yourself, your British mm. equivalent possible policy solutions, what should we do? Here we just seem to be thinking, oh, will we worry about that when we get there, OK? I, I estimate the average electricity bill is a, heading up towards €2,000, which sounds a bit low to me for what I'm paid, but that's a separate issue. Mm. How is the consumer and the general economy going to deal with this? What is going to be reasonably sudden in the sense that we're leaving the summer? So it's not you're kind of eased in. Mm. Once that radiator goes on, it goes on, right? Yep. So are, have all, even the ESRI projects, have we all sort of incorporated this huge uplift in energy costs and the effect that mm. it's going to have? No, well, certainly at the, the, the Institute, uh, we have been thinking about this and we've been writing uh, about, in particular, my, my colleague Barrow Roundtree uh, has, has produced a sort of series of analysis. So I think going back in, in a number of months, uh, Barrow was doing these sort of thought experiments, which was to say, uh, if the energy prices go up uh, to a certain level, what proportion of the population are then going to be in energy poverty? Um, and, uh, you know, we, we produced a statistic uh, in the earlier part of the summer, I think it was, you know, given rates that had, had uh, emerged so far, something like 20 or 30 percent or whatever like that of people were in energy poverty, where that's def- defined as people are paying more than 10 percent uh, of, of their income on, on energy. Um, as, you know, we, we were doing that, or as he was doing that, where you always look at the scenarios and you start looking at the worst case scenarios. Mm. Um, now, what what's kind of troubling, I suppose, about what's happening is that the worst case scenarios are now coming uh, more and more to the fore. Uh, so th- there's two strands really of the discussion then coming from 
that. One is, well, what, what's the policy response going to be? Um, and certainly within the Institute, um, you know, we're, we're always reluctant to make sort of, you know, very strong recommendations. We prefer to f- provide policy choices. But the big choice facing the government is essentially the size of the energy hit is going to be so large uh, that if, if you really are we looking at COVID sized assistance that uh, we're in yeah, somewhere in well, that sort of space similar in, in, you know to that but but, the, but really the crucial point here is that we need to really direct the resources at those who need it most okay if we go for a sort of a very broad brush approach to this it's it's simply not going to be affordable uh, even though the public finances are strong at the moment uh, so the, the notion of looking very very carefully at what households uh, we're going to try and, and insulate I think that that's really really critical and there is going to be a real challenge for business. I think during the COVID period, business got used to the idea that government would solve all their problems. Mm. Now, the, the, the point about COVID is we, we knew it would c- come to an end. Okay, There was an expectation that a vaccine would happen. So the government sort of directed policy in such a way to protect businesses to get them over this difficult period on the expectation that the economy would open up again. But one of the, again, yet another troubling sort of part of the whole gas price situation is in the early stages of this, we thought, well, maybe there's a spike in gas prices and, you know, not on effects in electricity prices, but maybe this would ease off. But the most recent information is suggesting that this could be Getting a longer worse. term. Yeah. So you, you're back into that issue about, you know, should government be propping up businesses uh, indefinitely or do you need to make certain difficult decisions early on? So there's there's an awful lot yeah, going I mean, on. Yeah, and, and, and if you don't do something, right, so if, if we take the Alan Barrett um, take on this, which is you should just target, right, you're going you're gonna to get, I'm sure I'll have the text in any moment on the squeezed middle, people who are just falling outside this. Yeah. I mean, could we be plunged into a recession if if the bills are just... In other words, yes, you might say we want minimalists mm. from the government targeted smart reactions. But mm. if you leave whole swathes of the population, what are they going to do? They're going to pull back spending. They're going to consume less. They're going to yeah. batten down the hatches. So is there not a trade-off there where, yes, you have equity helping people who most deserve it, mm. but you're sailing very close to a recession on this side if you don't shield more people? I, I, I think so. But there's, but there's, again, a fundamental sort of harsh bit of arithmetic here, which is we're net importers of energy. Okay, so when the price of something that you import goes up quite dramatically, we're kind of back to the 70s. There's no getting away from the fact that as a country, we're going to be worse off. Mm. Okay, it's only a question then of how we kind of spread that worse offness Mm. around. Uh, I think sort of, you know, generally speaking, most people would buy into the notion that you want to insulate, you know, do your best for the people who need it most. And people at the other end of the income distribution are, you know, perhaps not the great concern. Now, you are bringing the point that everybody brings up about the squeeze middle. So let's just try and be a little bit creative about it. Um, certainly believe that social welfare rates need to be increased. We do have welfare payments uh, that are targeted at people in work but are low income. So, you know, there, there are possibilities there to essentially, uh, for example, raise the payments, the working family payment. You could raise that payment. You could increase the eligibility for that payment, both in terms of the earnings cut off or uh, extend it to single people. It's primarily uh, at the moment for people with kids. So there are clever ways of doing this. But let's be clear about it, Emmett. If we try and insulate everybody, we are talking about budget deficits which are absolutely enormous which only build up uh, economic Okay, so you're, you're ultimately the saying they, they can't afford it even if they wanted to shield everyone it's just not arithmetically possible it, it, to do so, a, that's right? That's a nice okay. summary. Um, but they might look at Britain and say, well, hang on a second, Alan, there seems to be moves in Britain to put it on the credit card. The Labour Party are already signed up to pretty much rebate everyone for, for certainly the first few months. Now, they've run into the problem where people say, what do you do after March or April of next year when you head into... Because this is not, doesn't sound like this is a one-year thing where and, and it's multi-year until we start building new wind farms and all sorts of things. So that's another problem, isn't it? It's just the length of this crisis. No, I, I think it is. I mean, I think there is the backdrop of the Tory party uh, leadership race in the United Kingdom, whereby the sort of the rationality of political discussion 
question mightn't be as, as firm as you would like it to be. Uh, but you've touched on that that point. We knew COVID would, would, would come and go. There would be eventually an end to it. But if this is going to be there for a long time, and again, as you correctly say, we're talking about sort of, you know, remarkable increases in energy prices, way beyond anything um, that, that we've experienced previously. Uh, so you need the short term measures to, to insulate people's incomes, especially for those who need it most. And then, of course, we need to be looking at the longer term income uh, or issues rather, which do you is think, the switch um, away from fossil fuels. Do you think a recession is possible? Oh, I, think I know it, it looks very distant at the moment. No, no, the... I, th- I, I think it is possible. I think one of the things that sort of maybe diverting us a little bit from, from saying the or word is the Irish economy turned out to be remarkably resilient mm. during COVID. And again, it was primarily the sort of the strong export performance. Our, uh, you know, the FDI firms really insulated the economy. And quite remarkably, we continued to grow during that period. So I think, you know, this is the problem with forecasting. You're often most uh, influenced by your most recent experience. Because the most recent experience sort of said, well, we Ireland, we can withstand we anything. Squeak through that one. Um, yeah, yeah. That is just one of the things that worries me. And certainly internationally, it's hard to see that there won't be significant recessions uh, in Europe and the United States and elsewhere. The notion that we would be uh, insulated from that just doesn't seem realistic. No. And I mean, during the 70s, when we've been here before, I know people are very keen of saying it's not exactly the same as the 70s and there's the 10 different reasons why. But nevertheless, it is not dissimilar. High inflation, high interest rates, a lot of borrowing, disruption, industrial relations and all mm. that. Yeah. They didn't get out of that one for a long time and two they only got out of it when they put interest rates at an almost punitive level and squeezed the inflation out I mean that's not yeah. something anyone wants to relive but is that the only way we're going to get through this well, long well term? sadly yes and I mean in, in a sense the, the only good news here is that to the extent that the lesson was learned from the 1970s it was that central banks should act early and decisively uh, because postponing doesn't actually improve the situation it just makes it worse uh, and that's why you're seeing uh, certainly the you know the Federal Reserve in the United States leading this, these these very significant interest rate increases much faster than had previously been anticipated. The European Central Bank is catching up. But again, back to that sort of phrase I used earlier about sort of, you know, unpleasant or, or arithmetic. If, if the economy doesn't cool itself and sort of squeeze inflation out through some sort of a like an organic recession, the central banks of the world are going to be looking at this and sort of saying, well, maybe we do need to increase interest rates further and further to squeeze out that inflation. The hope would be that they're successful and they can squeeze it out quickly with minimal yeah. Damage. And we go in but slightly again, bitter, don't we? We have we've high employment, which you've mentioned at the start of your, mm. your presentation. The banks were told are in reasonable good order. Touch is this made of wood, <laughs> um, but they've reasonable capital levels, so we don't see any sort of banking crisis type issues. Yeah, the property market probably most people would welcome it cooling off anyway. Like I think most yep. people like yourself would say that's not necessarily the end of the world if that was to drop a bit, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, so and we are going in with a few things in our favour. Like you go into any downturn, you have certain things. Other times you go in disastrously. I mean, is yeah. that how you see it in no, terms I, of what? in our, our credit corner at the moment. Yeah, no, I, I think those are all, uh, you know, very good summaries of the positives that, that are there. I think the worry really is, is that when central bankers talk about this idea, like we'll raise interest rates at such a level that we'll sort of bring inflation down and produce a soft landing, uh, it makes it sound like the, the you know, central so banking. A tweak. Yeah, it, but it makes it sound like central banking uh, or economic policy making exact generally science, is yeah. exact. It tends not to be. And the worry is uh, that maybe the, 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 um, the interest rate increases will be too severe or whatever like that, produce more of a recession than is actually required. Um, so, you know, we, we don't need to get
get overly pessimistic. Hopefully, we'll make it through again on the on the sort of the backdrop of the positives uh, that 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 you mentioned. And but it's uh, still all. Very so uncertain. for for the for the ordinary person listening in, should they be very worried at this particular moment in time? What you're seeing coming down the, the tracks? In all truth, um, I think the, certainly on the energy price front, um, the the increases that we're looking at and the duration of those increases, I think, are going to be really really challenging for people uh, in in the, uh, the 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 winter time. I think there's no doubt that the economy is going to slow. Whether or not it'll be actually a recession, we, you know, we we, we don't. Where would know. you be on the recession thing? I mean, fifty fifty. Like, where would you? And I, I mean, know I'm being unfair, pinning you down on this, but uh, yeah, one uh, one one of the great joys of my life now is I used to be a forecaster. You don't worry anymore. I, I just decided someone else's job. So, you know, I, I wasn't good enough uh, to really do good economic forecasting. But look, it's 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 extremely difficult uh, to predict it. I, I I think you know across Europe and the United States, I think you know recession will hit. The only question is. Is, is the Irish economy has it got that sort of peculiarity about it that it might insulate us to a certain degree uh, but you're talking about reduced rates of growth uh, whether or not we actually sort of shrink uh, Yeah so we're, we're into a downturn of some description it's it, just as depth and severity is, is, the, is the guessing game I think, part I think yeah. that's a good, okay. again, a good way of putting it You've wriggled out of it well <laughs> but it's certainly worth talking about because you don't hear the or word that much but we need to sort of mm-hmm. adjust ourselves to, to it For now thank you very much um, not necessarily all good news but a, a mix in, in, in the balance there from Alan Barrett, who is the CEO of the SRI on those latest employment figures, and we'll talk to him again, no doubt, it's soon. And it is next up, it is the fall of the House of Troy. I'll drop you. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.